Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. This morning, we are continuing with a series that you guys helped to create, um, answering the question that I put to you guys, which is, what should the church, the body of Christ, be talking about more often? What are the things we should be talking about more often? What are the things we should be saying more often, uh, talking about with one another, and also communicating to others more often? Um, And a lot of folks online and some of you guys in the room came up with similar responses. And one of the responses uh, that I put online, and I asked them the same thing. What is the church, what are some of the things that the church needs to talk about more often? And I apologize if you can't see that, uh, that we need to talk about more often. Same question that I put to you. And one of the responses was apologetics and prayer. And we talked about prayer, I think it was two weeks ago, we talked about um, prayer and how important it is and the fact that God hears our prayers and responds to our prayers, uh, but apologetics is a big, huge topic. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about that. Someone in the room, someone from Crossroads, also said, why isn't the church talking more about how to properly defend our faith, right? Which is what apologetics is. Uh, uh, so forgive me if you already knew this, but a little, just quick lesson real quick. So apologetics comes from this Greek word, apologia, which means making a legal or formal defense or justification for something. A lot of people think it's apologizing for Christianity because that's what it sounds like. That's not what it means at all. It actually means you're, uh, it was a Greek term used throughout the New Testament where whenever people would share the gospel, uh, it would use this phrase that they were apologia-ing, if that's the correct way to use that. They were making a defense or a a justifiable understanding for here's why we believe the gospel, here's why we believe in the resurrection, here's why we, you know, whole groups of people left an established religion, uh, the Jewish religion, to follow after Christianity. Because people would be like, what are you doing? We already have this established religion. Why are you risking your home, your name, your family, your business, because they were ostracized for their belief? to go follow this, and then they would give this logical reason and defense for how they used it. And that word was used throughout the New Testament. Probably the most popular place is in a verse that we have used quite frequently, and most of you might be familiar with. It's in 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, here's the thing. I want to show you this in a couple of translations because no matter what translation you look in, it's always saying the same thing. That's the NIV. And the English Standard Version, which is more of a word-for-word translation, says, in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, not just an answer, but a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, right? Now, in the Amplified Version, it kind of amplifies the language. It says, in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord and always be ready to give a logical defense. 
It's not just, here's some contrived answer, and, and I know I get hate for this all the time, but when people are sharing, here's why I believe what I believe, a lot of them will say, because the Bible says it's true, but if you're talking to people who don't believe the Bible, it doesn't make sense to them. They're like, why should I believe a book that I don't believe is true? So uh, even though you might say, I believe because the Bible says so, that's great, but if you're sharing your faith with someone who doesn't have that belief in the Bible, it doesn't make sense to them. But you can still give a logical defense for here's why I believe what I believe. Uh, and then here's the complete Jewish Bible. This is the way that based on the language, the Jewish mindset in the day that it was written would have understood what was written. But treat the Messiah, because that's who Jesus is to them, the Messiah, as holy, as Lord in your hearts, while remaining always ready to give a reasoned answer to anyone who asks you. Now, in context, because we always like to read the Bible in context, we don't just take verses and pull them out and make them say what we want. When Peter wrote this, he was writing to the church, and they were being ostracized and, and like for their faith. They were being criticized. They were having their homes burnt. Some of them were being killed for their faith. But Peter said, hey, even when people come at you like that, you're not supposed to respond like that you should still be able to give a reasonable, logical defense for here's why I believe what I believe. So if you look at everything that Peter says in this verse, in every translation, what we're going to break it down to for our purposes, we're not changing anything for our purposes, when you talk about apologetics, it means when you're being either ridiculed, which happens to us as Christians, or criticized, or just questioned about your faith. Always be prepared to give a logical, reasonable answer or defense for your hope in Christ. And here's the part that a lot of people don't do, but do it courteously, humbly, not humbling yourself to them, but humbling yourself to Jesus Christ, and do it respectfully. When we share, here's why I believe what I believe, and, and I get into questions and debates about this all the time with people who want to argue and want to debate, my thing is, hey, I'm not here to argue, I'm not here to debate, I just want to share, here's why I believe what I believe, right? So as Christians, we're called to, and even expected to, be able to share, hey, here's why I have this hope in Jesus Christ. Here's why I, I kind of think that, you know, yeah, there's all these other religions and it's all that, and you don't have to have every answer. You just have to have the answer for why you believe, right? So here's the thing. If, if we as a church are constantly asking people, like we prayed this morning, we pray that we go out and share the love of Christ and show the love of Christ with others, the church always says, go out and share your faith. Then we come back to the question, then why isn't the church talking more about apologetics, how to properly defend our faith? Because when you go share your faith with someone today, they will come for your life. You tell them you're a Christian, they will come for your life. You tell them that you believe, and we may get bounced off of Facebook for this, but you believe killing babies and abortion is not right, they will come for your life. You tell them you believe that God says this about sexuality, they will come for your life. They will criticize you, judge you, hate on you, try to cancel you, curse you out. I had this happen just the other day. Online, though, because this is why I don't talk to people in person, because people are mean. But online, where I was sharing, you know, here's why I believe what I believe. I believe this is true. And the first response 
from someone who disagreed with me was your blankety-blank crazy, blankety-blank this, your blankety-blank God doesn't this, blankety-blank, blank, blank. Now, that's a person I wasn't going to waste time sharing why I believe because they weren't interested. But when you share something that disagrees with what modern people believe, they're going to come for your life. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks kind of talking about some of the basics of how to defend the faith. And whenever you start talking about apologetics or defending our faith, it always starts with truth. We can't, we can't have a discussion about um, here's why we believe what we believe if we don't start with a discussion about truth. And truth is a certainty, something that's in reality, something that is objectively not just subjectively or not just in this situation, objectively true or real or factual for any matter under consideration. And this is one of the things that a lot of people argue about. But if we start with an understanding of here's what truth is, then once we understand what truth is, we can have a, a discussion that says it is objectively true that God exists. We, we can like have that discussion. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have to take 12 weeks of courses in apologetics if you understand what truth is, which is what we're going to talk about, and you understand that there is evidence that shows that God exists, which is what we're going to talk about, then you can objectively show. If anyone's willing to accept truth, yeah, you can show, yeah, God exists. You can show that the Bible is God's revelation. Because if God does exist, people will say, well, there's thousands of religions. How do we know which one to believe? Well, we can objectively show that the Bible is the true revelation of God. And if it is true, anything in it is true, if it's God's revelation, that means any other religion that conflicts with it is false, because that's the way truth works. Once something is true, anything that conflicts with it is false. If one plus one is two, then two plus two can't equal two. That, that, it can't be the same thing, right? So uh, we can also show that Jesus was resurrected, which is why we put our hope in Christ, and you can show that we can be a part of God's kingdom. Now, these last two, these are the ones that false teachers will kind of, who claim to be pastors and Christians, will mess with today. They will say, well, Jesus wasn't really resurrected. That was just an analogy for the day. They will say that, no, it's not that we get to be a part of God's kingdom Everyone gets to be a part of God's kingdom no matter how you live, no matter what you do. That's not true because that conflicts with God's revelation. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff in the weeks to come. But this morning, uh, I really want to talk about just the evidence that God exists. But here's the thing we got to understand first. When you start talking to people about this, there are going to be people who just want to debate and argue, and they're not going to change their mind. Don't waste your time talking to people who just want to debate and argue about religion. Now, you could take out the word religion and put in politics or any other topic. If they're not going to change their mind, don't waste your time. If they're not looking for truth, don't waste your time. I had to learn that the hard way. And, 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 and when people ask me, hey, uh, why won't you, you know, have this discussion with me about this idea. I was like, because you're not looking for truth. I just showed you. Here's the evidence that shows this is true. And you say, well, I, don't, I refuse to believe that. Then why should I continue talking? Because you're not going to listen to anything else I say. Don't waste your time, because your time is precious. And I will usually tell them, yeah, my time is precious, but also your time is precious. I don't want to waste your time. 
trying to tell you things that you know that you're not going to listen to. So our goal this morning is not to equip you to have debates or arguments or any of that stuff, but here's the thing. We shouldn't argue, but we should have logical, reasonable conversations where we listen to others and share what we believe. We should be able to do that even with, and I know this makes a lot of people mad, people who claim to be Christians but have other beliefs than us or other denominations or whatever. We shouldn't have to waste time arguing with them. We shouldn't have to waste time. It just happened, again, just this week. I had a rough vacation. Just this week, people were arguing about, you know, when the rapture is going to happen. There is no rapture, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, is that worth us not being able? I mean, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Should we really be arguing about when Jesus is going to return? Shouldn't we be focused on what Jesus told us to do, which is share and show the love of Christ to others? Right? So here's what we have to do. First, start with what Jesus said, and I'm going to show you a conversation where Jesus did this, understanding what the truth is. So some of you are familiar with this passage of scripture. Jesus was talking with a woman, and he said, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Now, for context, because again, we don't just pull verses out, we read them in context. Jesus was having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. She was in a town, I believe it was called Sychar, I might be mispronouncing that. And it was an area where because they had different beliefs and because they had intermixed with other nationalities, the Jewish people wouldn't even go to that town. In fact, if they had to go somewhere, they would go all the way around the town instead of just going through it. So imagine if we needed to go somewhere north on 51, but because we didn't want to go through the dilapidated Century 3 Mall, or anywhere near it, we would go, head south, go to Elizabeth, go north up the river that way, and then cross over. I mean, does that make sense? But that's what they would do because they didn't want to associate with these people. Jesus intentionally went to that town to have a conversation with her. It turned to religion. Jesus said, believe me, a time's coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem because her understanding of God was, hey, this is where God is. We have to worship him here. We have to worship him this way. So they didn't have a true understanding of who God was. Jesus said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews because both the Old Testament, the foundation for the New Testament, came from the Jewish people, and Jesus came from the Jewish people. But he goes on and says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So he has this conversation with her, and he says, look, if you're seeking to truly worship God, there's two things you need to know. One, God is a spirit, so you have to understand that it's a spiritual relationship. You can't worship him, and the reason we can is because God puts his Holy Spirit in us. However, comma, you also have to have an understanding of what truth is. Later, Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you tell people that, which is true, they will come for your life. They're going to hate you. They're going to call you a bigot. They're going to call you this, that, and the other, which is why don't waste your time arguing with people who aren't seeking truth. Those who are seeking truth, 
will respond the way that woman did. Because she went and told the whole town, I found the Messiah, and her whole town ended up committing their lives to Christ because they were willing to seek truth. But not everyone will be. So in order for us to like, have an understanding right, of, of, of how to defend the faith, we have to understand truth is objective, it's unchanging, and it isn't subject to circumstances. Has anyone ever heard that statement, uh, what is it, truth is relative? Yeah, people will say, well, truth is relative, or they'll say something like, that's your truth. And they often confuse opinion or perception with truth. Like, my opinion, you know, about a movie is not the truth about the movie, it's my opinion, right? Your opinion about a movie is your opinion, that doesn't mean it's a truth. But one plus one equaling two, that's the truth. It's true when I have a lot of money in my bank and math adds up. It's true when I have no money in the bank, the math still adds up. It was true in Jesus' day. It was true before humans were formed on the earth. One plus one was still two. It's not something we can change. It's just a universal truth that is true Everywhere you go on the planet, it doesn't matter if you're talking about money in, you know, British pounds, talking about money in dollars, talking about money in Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin's different because somebody made that up. I have no idea how that works. But one plus one, always going to equal two. We don't get to change that. But here's the thing. Since truth is relative, right, I mean, is objective, when someone says um, truth is subjective or relative, you can ask them, well, is the statement you're making, is that meant to be True across the board, or is it just meant to be true for that moment? And they usually mean it's supposed to be true across the board. They believe truth is relative in every situation, but that's an objective truth, which they say don't exist. So you can't have two things cancel them out. That makes sense. That may be a little bit too more logical, but here's the thing. Once we understand objective truth, then we can show objectively that God exists. Let me give you two quick pieces of evidence, because evidence is the key right, for when we show something that we believe. And there's all types of evidence. There's scientific evidence. There's scientific evidence that shows none of us were here when the universe were created, but we know it had a beginning because of scientific evidence and because of forensic evidence. Forensic evidence, you watch all the crime shows where after the crime they come and they examine everything after the fact, the evidence that's there after the fact. Uh, we can also look at historical evidence, Historical documents that people wrote in a certain day of, hey, I saw this, I saw that, I saw this. That's the only reason any of us believe that George Washington was the first president, because of historical evidence, because none of us were there, and because of archaeological evidence, because none of us was there. That's things that they found in history that support, here is this truth, right? So all of these things we can use to show really quick that God exists, first and foremost, two pieces of evidence, and that's all you really need the universe had a beginning, and the fact that life had a beginning, both of them came from nothing. So those two things alone are evidence that, and even if they say it's not the God of the Bible, hey, we don't have to go there yet, just understand that they're evidence that there is some creator or supreme being that created the universe and that created life. And they will try to tell you that life evolved and this, that, and the other. Consciousness 
did not evolve from nothing. You can't have consciousness spring into life from whatever liquid or whatever they say it had, it came from. Life did not evolve from nothing. And if you go back to the evidence, because most people will say, well, where's your scientific, testable, repeatable evidence? Well, none of us were there when the first life was created. But throughout human history, all we've ever seen is life create life. We've never seen, and we never will see, life come from nothing. And scientists already say that there's evidence that supports, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that the universe had a beginning, that time, space, and matter all came. There was nothing here in this universe. And then time, space, and matter came into existence when the universe came into existence, right? And here's the key. Whatever created it, since it didn't exist, whatever created time, space, and matter had to be outside of time, not bound by space, and not filled with matter, which kind of describes God. So everything that we see about the universe, everything that we see about life is evidence that it came from some supreme being. And here's the thing, and we'll talk about more about the Bible next week, but here's the thing. Uh, the Bible supports that because the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Long before the science that supported it, the Bible said the universe had a beginning back when scientists, even though they didn't have the information, were saying that the universe was eternal. And they refuted the Bible because they said it disagrees with science. But then once they had the technology, they were able to say that, hey, you know what? I mean, they won't say you guys were right, but it, God was right, that the universe had a beginning. And look, one of the other things, and I'm going to wrap this up quickly. It says, and God said, let there be light. Genesis 1, 3, and 4. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And what a lot of people will say is, this is why I can't believe the Bible, because it talks about the fact that God created the sun before all the other things were created, but this isn't talking about the sun. This is actually talking about, and fail, forgive me for not knowing the science on this, whatever the science is that allows light to create. This wasn't talking about the objects that reflect or that generate light. This was talking about light itself being created, which scientists will acknowledge that, yeah, light was created way before all of the planets and everything in the universe. And again, they won't say God was right, but God was right. And then it tells us that God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And this is talking about the planets and the moon and the stars and all the things that we use to mark sacred times and days and years. And again, if someone is seeking truth and you just share, here's the evidence that the universe had a beginning, just like God said. And it was created in the way just like God said. And life came and was created just like God said. Anyone seeking truth will acknowledge perhaps your God is real. Perhaps that same God that you're talking about can come into my life and help me. Perhaps um, just like I hear you and see you talking about God helping you with your struggles, with your pains, with your sickness, with your family, with your marriage, perhaps that same God can do the same thing for me. 
And that's the goal. Not to say that I'm right and you're wrong. Ha ha, I beat you. But to say that God is great and God is good and what he did for me, he can also do for you. That's what we're trying to communicate. When we have these discussions to say, here is why I put my hope in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me. God, we know that there are so many people in our circles of influence from everywhere on the spectrum, those who are seeking truth and want to know that you are real, who want to know whether or not you can help them, who want to experience your love, to those in our circles of influence who will reject you and there's nothing that we can do to change it. And God, we are praying for both. We pray that everyone in our circles of influence would experience your love, your goodness, and your greatness, but we also pray that you would use us to help them do so. Use us to help share your truth. Use us to help have the tough conversations. Use us to help share about the love that you have for all humanity so much so that you sent your son to die for them. Use us to help share how you can break addictions and strongholds and and bring families and marriages back together. Use us to show people that there is a God who loves them, but also help us to not be those people that argue and debate and put others down in the name of Jesus. But help us to be those who want to share and show the love of Christ to those in our circle of influence. And God, we pray that when we do that, that you are glorified and that your name is made known. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen.